Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. So glad you're here joining us today. Turning your Bibles, uh, if you would, this morning. Matter of fact, if you have your Bible, some of you have a digital one, some of you have a paper one, some of you have it memorized. Kudos to you. Um, could you just get your Bible and lift it in the air? Come on, whether it's the digital one, the paper one, look at that. Look at all these Bibles, man. We bring our Bible to Canvas Church because we want to know that what the pastor is saying is actually in the book. Amen? That's a good thing. And uh, so turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, it's a New Testament book. Paul uh, wrote this to the church at Corinth. And we are, we are starting to wrap up our series, Faith, Hope, and Love, in which we've been examining these three truths, these three pillars um, that Paul writes about that he says all believers should live by. We should give ourselves these things, faith, hope, and love. So over the last, I don't know how long it's been now, five, six, seven weeks, we've been looking at these, and uh, we, we kind of broke them up into segments. We looked at faith, we looked at hope, and today I'm going to look at love, and next week we'll look at love, and we'll wrap the series up. And so what I want to do is I want to go back to the passage that we started out with, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, we're going to read a couple portions out of there as we talk about faith, hope, and love. But before I read that, I want to read to you uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.3, which I highlighted last week, because it kind of gives us some more context of the idea of what Paul is talking about with faith, hope, and love. And he writes this to the church at Thessalonica. He says, we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read it to you again, and if you have it open there, or just maybe write the verse down. You can look at it later, maybe highlight it. It says, we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith. In other words, we could say this, faith, it's kind of like our work. It's our job. It's our workplace, right? It's, it's like when, wherever you work at, that's, that's faith. That's what's represented there. It's our work. It's what we're giving ourselves to. But then it says your labor of love. In other words, this is how we accomplish our work. This is how we accomplish our, our job. It's through, it's through love. And so it's the work of faith. It's the labor of love. And then he says this. He says, and the endurance of hope. Now, what would hope be? Hope would be what keeps you going back to work. In other words, it's the paycheck. Come on, somebody. Right? I know that maybe you like your job, but let's be honest. One of the reasons you like your job is because there is a payday. Right? I mean, you ain't just showing up for fun, ain't just showing up for free. Man, there's, there's a payday. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, guys, as the church, we have a work, and it's a work of faith. This is our job. And here's how we're going to accomplish it to, to win the loss, to win a world that doesn't know him yet. It's, it's through love. But guess what? There's a payday coming, and that's when we get to be with him forever and ever in eternity. Amen? And that's our hope, and our hope is fixed on the future with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 going to read to you verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to drop down to verse 13. Here, once again, Paul is writing this, and he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's really writing to, to kind of to bring some godly wisdom, uh, and you'll see as you read through the whole entire book, you'll see this going back between a, a worldly wisdom and a godly wisdom, and he writes to set some of those things in order. Uh, he writes to address the church specifically because there was some dysfunction in the church. Now, let me ask you a question. Obviously, not this one, but how many of you have ever been to a church with some dysfunction in it? All right. Well, welcome to campus. All right. We are, let me, I'll just set this straight. We are just as dysfunctional as that church you're thinking of. All right? Come on. It's one of the things that, that makes the body of Christ so amazing is that we can work through that dysfunction together, thus testing our love for one another. Amen. Amen. 
so he writes to set some things in order to deal with some discord and some disunity. And uh, then when we get to chapter 13, he addresses this idea of love. Love. And this is what, this is what he writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. He says this. He says, if I speak human or angelic languages. Now, if you're wondering what that is, human language, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I know my voice sounds angelic. Thank you, baby. I love you. Um, but what he's talking about, he's talking about your native tongue, whether I speak with the tongues of men, a, a language that's known, or whether I speak with an unknown language. That's, that's speaking in tongues the Bible would talk about, okay? And, and so it says, whether I speak with, with my native tongue or whether I speak with angelic language that only God understands. Listen to what he says. But do not have love. I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal, okay? Now, cymbals are great when they're in an orchestra, right, at the right moment, and so are gongs from time to time. But what the Bible is saying here is saying, look, you, you, can, you can speak these native languages, and you can, you can flow eloquently, all right? You can even be baptized in the Spirit and speak with tongues, but if that is not brought forth, if you do not present yourself in love, you are just a clanging cymbal, all right, and not in the orchestra type, all right? Let's go on. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains. Come on, how many of you guys want that kind of faith? All right, three of you. All right. How many of you guys want that kind of faith, right? Come on, how many of you guys have some mountains in your life, some obstacles in your way? right? Some financial difficulties, maybe some health challenges or, or maybe some parental ones. Anybody ever had a parental challenge before? Amen. I see somebody up there just got flags out and started waving them all over. Praise Jesus, right? Okay. You got a mountain in your way, man. Wouldn't it be great to have faith that moves that mountain? Listen to what it says, but do not have love. I am nothing. Wow. Starting to sound like there's a theme here, right? And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, how important is love, right? Let's jump down to verse 13 now, okay? He goes on and he talks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Some of you should look at that and memorize it and get it in you. Amen. For your life, for your marriage, for your children. Praise Jesus. First Corinthians 13, 13, here it is. After he talks about this, he says, now these three remain. These three things. In other words, you guys, you guys, hey, look, Jesus Christ is going to come back someday. He's going to return, and it's going to be glorious, and it's going to be awesome. But until that day comes, until the perfect Jesus Christ returns as a believer, as a Christ follower. Now, if you're here today and you say, well, I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christ follower. Take some notes. You'll need it later because today you're going to become a Christ follower. Amen. Give yourself to these three things, faith, hope, and love. Now, listen to it now. But the greatest of these is love. Everybody say it. The greatest of these is love. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, God, I ask that in the next few moments that we have together here, that, uh, Lord, we would just gather around your word. That, Lord, we wouldn't gather uh, around me. We wouldn't gather, uh, Lord, around a song list. We wouldn't even gather into a, 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 an auditorium, per se. But we would gather around your word. And we would learn together today. We would, we would grow together today. And we would understand why love is the greatest and why we need to walk in that love. Help me now, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Love is 
The greatest. Love is the greatest. About three years ago, uh, my family, my wife and I, my two beautiful daughters, uh, we had the opportunity to move into a new home. Um, God had placed it on our heart to, to sell off some stuff, and we did, and we had the opportunity to pay off all personal debt. Praise Jesus. It was awesome. Had the opportunity to take some of those funds and even pay off church debt that, from starting the church. How many know when you start a church, there's no small business loan for it? Right? What product are you selling? Jesus. Right? It just doesn't work, all right? It's hard to write a business plan. It's actually already written. It's called the Bible. Come on, somebody, right? And so, you know, we, we paid off any church debt, and God just opened up this incredible door for us to move to a beautiful home in, in North County Inland, and, and so we jumped on the opportunity, and, uh, and it happened to be a lady that we had led to the Lord about, man, it had been 16, about like, not been 17 years ago, um, uh, approximately, uh, 15 maybe. Yeah, 15 years ago, we led her to the Lord, and God opened up this door, and in this beautiful home, man, and we, we absolutely love this place. It's a beautiful home, and, and uh, we, I mean, still today when I pull up to this house, I'm just kind of like, I live here. This is awesome. This is wonderful, you know, and I never want to take the blessings of God for granted, and so I always try to keep that perspective. But you know, when people come over to our home, um, it's a 1934 Spanish home. It's, it's gorgeous. There's just, you know, there's, there's flowers and cactus. I don't know why they're cactus, but cactus are actually really beautiful if you get past the pokey parts, right? <laughs> It's true. In spring, when they blossom, it's like, wow, look, I've never seen a flower that big before in my life. Matter of fact, we have these ones, and they always blossom two flowers, and it's always at the top, and they look like eyes. They're right next to each other. They're right outside our window. It looks like they're staring in. It's kind of creepy. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's got these archways and this Spanish tile everywhere. And, and I mean, it's just honestly, it's a gorgeous home. And, and, and when people come over, they come in, and they walk in, and they're like, man, this is a beautiful home, Pastor Ben. Like, this is amazing. And what do they do? They, like, look at the arches and, and the tile, and they talk about all this stuff. I have yet to have somebody come into my home and walk up to the wall and check out the structure of it. I think there's a two-by-four beam right there. And I think they're about 16 inches off center. It, nobody's done it yet. Nobody's come in and started jumping up and down on our floor. Yeah, you don't want to. It's 1934. You might fall through, all right? Nobody's done that. Like, man, this is a really sturdy floor. No one's come over and opened the doors. Like, man, those doors, man, they just swing beautifully on the hinges. It hasn't happened yet. Every time somebody walks into our house, they are taken away with the beauty of the aesthetics, of the arches, of the tile, of the plaster wall, of, of all of the, you know, stuff and the flowers. It's like, wow, it's beautiful. No one looks beyond that to see how this thing is structured. Can I tell you something? The church of Jesus Christ is the same way to the world. No one is looking, listen to me now, no one is coming in and being wowed by your mountain-moving faith. No one is coming in and being like, oh, my word, like, your faith is, wow. Like, if, wow. Like, you could probably move mountains with that. They don't even know what that is, right? The world isn't being wowed by our hope of the future. What attracts the world to Jesus Christ and to the church of Jesus Christ is love. It is love. Because when they come in, they're not seeing our faith. They're not seeing our hope. They are seeing the way they are embraced by a people who call themselves Christ followers. Listen, it happens all the time. I have yet to get a, a response card that said, Pastor, I just was moved with the faith of the people today. Man, the hope that you guys have in Christ, immeasurable, right? But we get cards all the time that say, man, this was the friendliest place I've ever been to. Man, I just felt loved. I felt accepted. I felt included. I felt involved. Man, the love of the people was, 
was amazing. Are you with me? Listen to me. This is so important for us to understand. I believe it's why, one of the reasons why love is the greatest. Because it's the first thing that people see when they are looking for hope. It's the first thing they see when they don't even know they need faith in Christ. They are looking for a community. They are looking for a place. They are looking for a people that will embrace them and accept them for who they are and where they are without trying to change them. It's love. It's love. This, this is the church of Jesus Christ. The greatest of these is love. Listen, when people come to church, they should not come to a place of judgment. They should not come to a place where they, they feel like a little on edge, like I don't know if I belong there. Listen, it doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you talk. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. I, I, I talk with people all the time after church, and one of my mentors calls them hell of a talk type of people. They're like, that was a hell of a talk, pastor. You know? And I love that. And I, I don't say anything about it. I'll be like, oh, you can't. It's funny because people will catch themselves cussing. I'm like, I'm sorry, pastor. I shouldn't use that word. And I'm like, I wish I could. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's okay. Man, you are accepted. You are welcomed. Why? Man, isn't, that, isn't that what Jesus went to the cross for? Was through love? Come on. We want people to walk through the doors of the church, not just Canvas Church, the church of Jesus Christ. And they should walk into a place where they're accepted as they are, who they are, for who they are, and they're just embraced and loved. Listen to me. It is not the church's job to change anybody. It is not my job, it is not your job, ministry team, it's not our job to change anybody. It is our job to love people and point them to the truth, come on somebody, and let the Holy Spirit do what he does way better than any of us do. Amen? Which is transform people from the inside out. Love, love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. And this world, listen to me now, this world needs love. It just, it reminds me of that, that old saying that a picture speaks a thousand words, doesn't it? Paul, as he's writing 1 Corinthians 13, understands his context. Church, listen to me now. You've got to get this love thing right. Have faith. Give yourself to it. Have hope. Give yourself to it. But the greatest of these is love. He understood it in the context of his, of his audience. And he said, church, You've got to love one another, and it's agape. What is agape? The word is agape, and it means unconditional love. It means to show a love without receiving or expecting to receive anything in return. And Paul understood this, but he also understood it in a global context. Okay, it wasn't just that this is going to go on. Jesus understood this very well. He writes this. Let me read it to you. He writes this in Matthew. Uh, Matthew writes this about uh, what Jesus said. Here it is. Verse 34 through 40. So when the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then we preached a great message about this, a series about this a couple of months back. He said this, this is the greatest and most important Listen to verse 39. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. 
Love truly is the greatest. Jesus, he knew it. He tried to teach it. Hey, man, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second one, man, it's just as important. Listen to it now. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's powerful. That's powerful. Man, this, it, this is a global changing movement. The church of Jesus Christ, man, changes culture all over the globe. And how does it do it? It does it through a movement of love. Because listen to me now, a picture speaks a thousand words. That old saying, no one knows how much you care. Or no, one, no one knows, what is it? No one cares how much you know. Sorry, it's just coming to me. It's not my notes. No one knows how much you care, right? No. No one, what is it? No. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I was just testing to see if you guys actually knew it. No one is helping me out because you're like, I don't know what he's talking about because I don't care about anybody. I don't even care about this message. I don't even love people. Eh. Care? No. What? What are you talking about? No, but that's so true. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, your life is speaking something. Is, is it modeling love? i got to be honest with you. I was, I was at my daughter's game this morning, and I'm pretty sure the refs don't think I love them. And it was so funny as I was driving over. Now, i got some of Faith's teammates here and the teammates' parents here, so I'm not going to look at them. Because they were sitting there, but they were just as amazing as I was. So, um, but I thought, I was, I was driving over, like, because I literally was going to preach on love, you know. And I'm driving over. I said, Ben, so what did you display today? I was like, man, I displayed passion for basketball, my daughter. <laughs> Rob, what did you display to those refs? I was like, that they were horrible. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It's confessional. What, is, what does your life speak? What does your life speak? Because listen to me. There is a world that needs to know love. Matter of fact, if there, was, if there was a theme song for the world, it'd probably be like, I wanna know what love is. Does anybody know that one? I want you to show me. Where's the choir? I wanna feel what love is. Right? I, maybe my church is too young. I've never heard that one. I know you guys have. You guys are just enjoying this too much. Like, hey, let them sing, let them sing, let them sing. The worship team over here not helping me out. Fired. Okay. Um, right? Or, I mean, there's another one. What is love? Right? You know, thank you. Yeah. Or maybe it sounds like church don't hurt me. Right? There is a world that needs to know love. Paul understands this as he writes 1 Corinthians 13. He says, man, love is the greatest. Why is love the greatest? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts. Why is love the greatest? First, I believe love is the greatest because it is how we are known. It is how we as Christians, as Christ follower, are known. Love is the greatest because it's how you and I are known. When people look at us, here's what the Bible says about it. The Bible says this in John. 1335, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. In other words, Christ followers. You'll, they'll know that you're Christ followers. If you have love for one another. We're known by our love. People looking in at the church, they're going to be able to say, oh, they, they belong to Jesus. Oh, they, they follow the word of God. How do I know that? Because I've observed the way they've interacted with one another. Right? They, they love one another. They're, they're caring about one another. They're friendly with one another. Now listen to me. That goes beyond Sunday morning. Okay? I'm glad that you can sit next to each other, shake a hand, smile on a Sunday morning, but, but what's the rest of the week look like? 
right? Does the world look in and say, man, they're, they're hanging out together. They're, they're, they're in community with one another. They love one another, man. That must be the church. And that right there, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, that right there. See, we can go out and we can feed the poor. That's great. What does the Bible say? If you go out and do that, but you don't have love, it's nothing. I think sometimes we do those things to help navigate our own personal feelings because we don't feel the love. And so we go out, well, maybe we need to go out and do an outreach. Listen, outreaches are great. Listen to me. But you know what's greater than that? Just having love for one another in the community that you're a part of. Amen. Loving one another. Now listen to what 1 Thessalonians says. I already, I already read it to you earlier. It talks about your work of faith. Now listen to this. It talks about your labor of love. I like the love part. It's the labor part I have an issue with. Anybody else with me? Listen, I, I love love. Yeah. Oh, it's work? No. Right? Like, I just want to just come in and just love and just be like, I love you. And you're awesome. And, and everything's just great. And we're skipping through meadows and catching butterflies. It's, it's awesome. It's, what is it? It's love. Right? Can't you hear the birds chirping and the, the stream? And let's just dip our feet in. Right? No, it says labor of love. There's a reason it says labor of love. Because it's work to love people. It is, right? I mean, don't look around, but you know. Right? It's work to love people. It's a labor, the Bible says. We've got to work at it. We've got to give ourselves to it. Sometimes it's challenging. And that's just in the context of your own family. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's work. It's called labor. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I tried to avoid all the manual labor jobs. True story. I, you can ask. I, I will bust tables. I will wait tables. I did valet. I was a lifeguard for a summer. Trust me, you don't want me to try to save you now. Right? I float really well, and it's not because of muscle. Right? I avoided I avoided all the manual labor jobs. As a matter of fact, I remember one summer I was, I, was, I was busing at one table or at one restaurant, and I was waiting at another restaurant. I had two jobs. And uh, we lived in a tourist-driven area. And, um, and so, man, we got hit with this rain. El Nino, I think they called it. We were supposed to have one here, I guess, or something. But this was in Washington State. And it rained so much. And this was outside patio dining. And so the owner came and said, look, man, we, we got no work right now. And so I was like, what am I going to do? So I looked in, like, the little want ads, and I found, like, like yard jobs. And I'm like, no. These delicate hands. I, what if I want to be a hand model someday? But it was all that was available. So sure enough, I applied, got the, got the call. Hey, yeah, come on out. And we were digging trenches for, for irrigation system. And I don't know if there's really much of a worse job. I, I literally, and I'm telling you right now, that job taught me to pray more than ever. I'm serious. I'm already on my knees digging trenches. So I figured, hey, God, send some sunshine, please. I can't continue on with this. This is difficult. Right? Sure enough, man, God brought the sunshine. I was like, hey, I can't do this anymore. My other job called me back. Come on, somebody. Hmm. Labor, man, it's, it's difficult. 
Listen to, are you catching what the Bible's painting here? It's a labor. But guess what? We're supposed to give ourselves to it. It is the, it is the greatest. It is the greatest. It's our work. And sometimes it's not, it's not easy. Matthew 5, 43 for four, uh, 44 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus is speaking, tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I have a hard enough time loving the people I love. Come on, let's be real. You want me to love my enemies on top of that? But not only that, you, you want me to actually pray good things for them? We got to have a conversation, right? We got to work through some stuff. When's the last time you prayed for somebody that offended you? I mean... That's your last church, because you don't get offended here, but, right? When's the last time you did that? But this is what the Bible's saying. Hey, those people, and here's the reality, is those people that offended you probably aren't even your enemies. When's the last time you prayed for somebody else in your community right here at Canvas Church that irritated you, ticked you off, right? Pray for them. Pray what? Pray good things, right? Now I get this. I get, I get that it tells me, because it's a good thing it tells me to love my enemies because that's not my natural instinct. My natural instinct is not to do that, and neither is yours. But the Bible says, hey, love your enemies, okay? But the same word is used in Ephesians when it tells husbands to love their wives. How? I mean, let's be honest. I get the part where it tells me, hey, those people you don't like so much, love them, pray for them. And then in Ephesians, it's like, hey, husbands, you would think this is just a natural instinct. I mean, it's my wife. It's the one that's chosen for me, and I'm for her. And Oh, you want me to love my wife? Like, I need the reminder. Yes, we do. Right? Somebody should take notes right now. Love your wife. Husbands, love your wife. And then it goes on. And it tells you how you should love your wife. Huh. It does? Yeah, you probably just skipped over that part intentionally. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church? I don't know what that is. Let me tell you. Scripture goes on. Gave himself for her. Died. What? Like, like literal death? Well, Jesus did. And sometimes it might... Feel like you are too. But it's the Bible. The Bible says love, 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 love. Now here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Let me put it in context. What Jesus, or what Scripture does here is it says love, but then it, here's what it does. It says with an action. As Christ did. Oh, what did Christ do? He did it with an Action. Why? Because a picture speaks a thousand words. Listen to me. I can tell my beautiful wife that I love her all day long. I love you. I love you. And I do because I tell her. I, tell, I, do, I do actually do tell her all the time. Now, for one time, we actually had this conversation. She's like, I know you love me and you tell me all the time, but could you take out the trash? And I looked at her and said, I love you. <laughs> and the trash was still sitting there, right? Man, it's your actions. 
It's what, listen, people can hear me. They can hear me say, oh, yeah, he said he loved me. But it's what they observe. It's what they see. Is somebody with me this morning? It's what they see in your marriage. Is there really love? Because love isn't just, well, yeah, I love them. If you do, it's an action. And you know how, you know how a wife shows her love back? It says, goes on to say this, and wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Jesus Christ. Submit to your husbands. Listen to me, though. It starts with the head. It starts with the man. Because let's be honest, it's easy to submit to somebody who's laying down their life for you. Amen? Amen. This is love. Here in context, it's in Ephesians, it's once again, it's an action. There's an old song by a group called DC Talk that love is a verb, and I would sing it for you, but I'm all out of my vocals this morning, all right? Love is a verb. It's action. It's doing something. It's observable. Why is love the greatest? It's the greatest because it's how we are known. When people look in, when people peer in at your life, do they see a person, a people, a family of Christ followers? They know they do if they see love. Secondly, uh, this is another one that uh, love is the greatest because it's how he is known. It's how Jesus is known. It's how God is known. God is known through love, which makes it one of the greatest. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God, that's us imitating God, as dearly loved children, and do what? Walk in love as the Messiah also loved, and gave, loved and gave, uh, loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. It's not just how we are known, it's how he is known. He is known by love. So the Bible says that they will see our good works through a heart of love. It goes on to say this, and they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Who are they glorifying? They're not glorifying the church. Jesus is glorifying the church. They're not glorifying the church. They're glorifying God. Why are they glorifying God? Because they see our good works of love. They look in and they're like, wow, if that's how they are, they must be serving a God of love. He's known by, by love. He's known by love. We're, we're encouraged through Scripture to be imitators of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we're ambassadors of God. Well, how are we supposed to carry out that? We're to carry out that through love, through love. I remember when I was serving at a valet company. I was working at a valet company in downtown Seattle. I uh, worked there for about five years, and God just opened up an incredible door about a year and a half into it for me to run the whole company. And so I was in charge of scheduling nine different locations, 50-something employees, and overseeing these. And, and through that, I just, I just literally did my, my best. And here's why I did my best. I did my best to let them know I cared for them, they could call me anytime, and uh, some pretty cool conversations happened at the end. But here's why I did my best, and I'll, I'll go into the story just a little bit, is when I was in high school, I went to church. I loved Jesus, came up in a great family. Um, but I'll never forget one person, um, and I believe as they, they said it to one of my family members when I was graduating, they saw me at this, this, this function where they were honoring the, the graduates that were Christians. And they saw me there, and they were stunned. And they went over, and they said something to one of my family members. They said, you know, I didn't even know Ben was a Christian all these years. And it hit me. Because it's like, I didn't do anything bad. But I realized it's not just about not doing anything bad. Are you with me? It's not just about trying to be a good person. 
It's about letting the love of Jesus flow through you. And it wasn't that I was doing anything bad. It's just that I wasn't expressing the love of Jesus. And that hit me so hard. I remember going into college thinking to myself, like, man, that four years I went to high school with this person, they didn't know I was a Christian. Like, I think I'm a really good Christian. Right? So I remember in my later years in, in college, it's like, I'm going to change that. Not this valet company, man. I just loved on people. To the point when God called me into ministry, we were leaving. Every single one of those employees came up to me and said, I just want you to know that because of the way you treated me, that there's something different about you. And I know you're a Christian. And there might be something to this God thing. Every single one of them. Someone came up to me and said, you know, you reached out to me when you found out my mom had cancer. And you didn't just tell me that your thoughts were with me. You actually took time and you prayed for me, even though I don't believe in Jesus. And because of the way you did that, there, was, there might be something to this God thing. Why? Because God is known through love. Are you with me? Listen, we don't want to just be known. We want him to be known. It's not about us becoming famous. It's not about Canvas Church growing and becoming the best and biggest church. No, it's about making his name great and making him famous. Amen? And they, they, they discover him through Love, amen, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The way we treat others says so much, listen to me, it says so much about him. You with me? Because it's not just about what we believe, it's not just about what we do, but it's about how we do it. Listen to me, how we do it is just as important, if not more important than what we do. As the Bible says, we can have faith that moves mountains. If we don't have love, it's nothing. Lastly, and we'll close with this. Lastly, love is the greatest, I believe, because it's why Jesus saved the world. It's why Jesus saved the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love is the greatest. I believe this, and it's because it's the, it's the re very reason why Jesus Christ came. He bankrupted heaven. He left all of his glory behind. Man, he was fully God. He became fully man, left heavens behind, and he came, and he was motivated by one thing, love. He loved. He loved the world. He loved you. He loved me so much that he was willing to give up everything to come and seek and save the lost. And I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that he did it for me. Amen? Amen. Love is the greatest. It's why Jesus came. He came, and John 15, 13 would tell us that he paid the ultimate sacrifice, that no greater love has anyone than this, than he lays down his life for another. Jesus Christ came and paved the way, modeled the way for love, agape love, that love that doesn't expect anything in return when he laid his life down. And I'm so glad he did. So when he tells us, hey, guys, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, I'm so thankful that I don't have to physically die. But sometimes in order for love to be propelled, I might have to die to my own desires, my own wants, and my own needs to put other people before me because there is a world out there that so desperately needs Jesus, but they're not looking at Jesus because they don't know him yet. They're looking at the church, and when they look at the church, will they see the greatest of these love. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.